You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. And just like that, it's time for Judd's Hockey Show, postgame edition, Wild 6, Kings 3. It was a blowout, right? It was an easy win, right? We'll talk about it. Zolgad and Declan Goff, welcome in. Appreciate all, all of you who are joining us. Um, and I want to talk about our sponsors. And I want to talk about a new sponsor, a very familiar name to those of you who watch uh, Purple Daily and even Mackie and Judd, but a new sponsor. And we are glad to ha- have them along, not only... Uh, for the last, uh, uh, I believe it's 11 games left in the Wilds regular season, Declan Goff, but also for Ventline when we start that in That's the right. playoffs. And I'm going to pour one out right now. That's right. Surly, Surly Furious, Surly Brewing on board. How great is this, Dex, to have our friends from Surly expanding their sponsorship to now be into Judd's Hockey Show? Not only for uh, purple tears, as I like to call them, Judd, but now we get green and gold tears that uh, that go down your face. No, 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 because we're going to be waving flags, actually. This is a green and gold flag, so there's no purple tears for this one. But no, we're very thankful for Surly to be on here. You know, Judd, I got a lot of uh, drips and drops snaps from over the weekend. I know you got some tweets from those as well. Plenty of great beverages that Surly Brewing has to offer. Yes, yes, but nothing in, of course, my opinion, the official beer of the Zolgad, the Surly (laughs) Furious. Thanks to Omar, thanks to Dave, thanks to Stu, thanks to all of the great folks at uh, Surly Brewing for helping us out, supporting us, and because they support us, hopefully you support them. And as always, show us your cans. That's right. Or taps at Jay Zolgad on Twitter, J-Z-U-L-G-A-D, at Score North, at at Dex Tweets. We want to see what you are drinking, preferably a surly all right let's talk about it i was there i I believe so did i hear this right the start of the game was supposed to be on uh valley sports north extra but there was golf on instead and so it started late but eventually got got on i don't know exactly at what point that they picked the game up but if they picked the game up after the kings took a three zilch lead and i believe the 10 17 mark of the um, first period on what was a goal by Adrian Kempe, if I'm not mistaken, a power play, a very soft mm-hmm. goal. If they picked it up at any point after that, Wild fans, they did you a favor because <laughs> that was an atrocious start followed by followed by some of the greatest hockey I've seen. Don't ask me to explain it. Uh, but at what point, uh, Dex, did you or were you able to start watching that game? I was able to get home after uh, shooting 100-plus for the first round of golf this year. Um, I was able to get home at about seven minutes left of the first period. Good guy. That's yeah, a good, so, great call so on your part. Nice work. Literally, as I was pulling in, Boldy scored the second goal, and then I was able to see all the other unanswered ones that happened right after that. Okay, so post game. So keep in mind, three goals against. Post game, not surprisingly, Dino sort of red, like, because the players are like, oh, we came back and won, and the fans are like, oh, this is great. And not, not surprisingly, the head coach, um, not 
nearly as pleased because if you get off to that start in a playoff game, odds are you're dead. Um, so I finally asked a few questions into his press conference deck and I finally said, how do you feel about this? Cause he said, we played awful. Like he said, he literally said, uh, we did nothing right for the first X amount, like nothing right. We were terrible. And I said, after a putrid start, like you came back and played really well, but how do you feel? And he's like, we got a lot to clean up. And, and I think that this is the best of both worlds in this sense. Like if you're trying to take away the good. The Wild blew a two-goal third-period lead on Friday against the Blues, and they lost in OT, so they got a point. But it was a bad loss. Like, you can, well, they played well. Now, in Everson's defense, he went with the old hockey trick of, I'm not going to dump on my players now because, like, this is a tough loss. And if I dump on on them now, it's probably not going to have maximum impact. They know that they, they know that they didn't play their best and that caused them to lose a two goal lead and then eventually i believe it was on robert thomas's goal and overtime lose in ot this loss or i'm sorry this win conversely is perfect because dean can dump on them all he wants because they won like they came back and won but as far as the game film goes and the cut-ups and all of the things and all of the gaffes that he can show his team tomorrow it's absolutely perfect because they did win they got two points um so that's all great but the way that they went about it gives the coach an opportunity to say okay you got two points but we cannot do that so i actually think that this was a great uh, juxtaposition to friday's game friday's game was like i don't want to you know i don't want to get up here and rip the team blah 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 today's game was Okay, we got two points, boys, but that is not going to be an efficient way once the playoffs begin to try and get wins. So I think this actually, if your dean works out pretty damn well as what could best be described, a cautionary tale, Dex. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, simply the Friday night loss was pretty tough to see, right? They blew the third, they blew the lead in the third period against a team you're probably going to see in the first round of the playoffs if they do start here pretty soon. So. That one's tough, right? But then they get off to this poor start, and I even texted you right after they went down 3 nothing because you were obviously there in person. I was just getting home, and I said, what, what, what's going on? You know, what, what the heck's going on here? They're down 3 nothing. They blew the they, they blew a two-goal lead. Bad hockey, right? And bad hockey all around. It wasn't just poor goaltending. Everything was bad. Yes. Everything was yes. bad. Yes. So at the same time, it, it kind of shows how resilient this team is, though, right? Like they were mm-hmm. able to come back. And, and look, doesn't erase the putrid first 15 minutes of that game. Certainly does not. But the fact I think this team still has that fight and that drive to be better and figure mm-hmm. out ways to come back and win when things are against them. I mean, that, I think that's the different vibe that we've seen all season from this team. And that's right. what I think is incredibly impressive that they're able to do that. And I, I think the old team would have tried to rally in like the third, right? Like they'd played two awful periods. This team, and it's very weird, this team stopped itself. So so they give up the goal to Kempe on the power play, which by the way, was a terrible goal. Like that's a goal uh, that flower has to save at 10, 17 of the first, but I'm here's the weird thing. This game literally had a line drawn through it. I can tell you when everything changed, I forget who was on the, the ice and they didn't give up a goal, but shortly after the Kempe goal, um, the Kings had the puck in the wild zone. 
And they were literally, I mean, I'm not BSing here, controlling play completely. The Wild was running around. They looked completely lost. They looked like a last-place, bottom-feeding, crappy team. And and the fans, rightfully so, started booing. Like, the fans were like, this is awful. And they were booing. They were loudly, they were upset. And they had every right to be upset. Um, then, at um, 15 49 of the first period Cal Peterson the the Kings goaltender tripped Mm -hmm. Zuccarello so he's called for it so it's like oh okay power play and keep in mind the first uh the wild had a power play 28 seconds into the game they gave up a shorty so so the second power play it's like can they do something um that came the penalty again at 1549 of the first at 16.04, Kaprizov scores. Everything changed. Like from the moment, because the, in in my opinion, although they didn't give up a goal, the low point of that game was, was that shift right before Zuccarello drew the penalty. Declan, it was feeble. Like it was awful. They couldn't get the puck. And right. the Kings are skating around and doing and, 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 and like design plays. And the Wild's like, what can we do? And... Zuccarello gets pulled down, Kaprizov scores, and it, honest to God, was like a switch was flipped. Everything mm-hmm. changed. Yeah. Boldy scored. What, Spurge, Spurgeon scored? Spurgeon. Zuccarello. It, it's, it was the damnedest thing because ordinarily, if they'd come out in the second period after, you know, it was clear that Dean had melted down, right? That's one thing. We've seen that before. Boudreaux would melt down. Yo would melt down. But this was the team stopped itself. I don't know how many times I've seen a team look that bad and then in period adjust. And after that, they didn't give up a goal. Flurry mm-hmm. played great. They played great. They were blocking shots. They had in this game 15 block shots. Middleton acquired at the deadline, who, in my opinion, in his first game, looked like he might pee his breezers. He's been great. He had two assists plus three. He blocked five, five shots. Yeah, blocked five shots. I believe like and, on a six-game point streak too, right? I yeah. think he's he's strung together. He looks a lot good of offensively. Yeah. But the point is, the point is, what was so weird to me was the ability of this team to reset itself in the game, and after that, not play well, play great. Yep. Damnedest thing I've seen in a long time. Yeah, and and that doesn't come down. I mean. It's a trickle down from coaching for sure. So I don't want to say it's completely non-zero coaching, but that's these players recognizing that, my God, what, what are we doing, right? What the hell are we doing out there? And then when your superstar and Kirill Kaprizov gets a big goal, then Matthew Boldy, who's also been very quiet over the last month, and, and you and I have been kind of saying, where is Matthew? He feels more like a passenger. And then he got hurt few games. and came back. And he got hurt, and now he's yep. back, and he yep. scores a big goal too, right? And then it just kind of starts this butterfly effect of, of, of good things. And I think that, that shows a lot. And yeah, Middleton, your guy here after a rough debut has I think strung together very strong games and that honestly might be the second best trade I think Bill Garrett potentially made yeah I don't yeah I don't think it's close Mm -hmm. he's but Dex he looks great yeah he creates he's big he hits he blocks shots he he is he is dare I say small sample size okay small sample size but he might be the best compliment to Spurgeon I've seen 
because he's good enough to play with Jared, which, by the way, I said after the first game, I don't know about this. Um, He's good enough to play with him, but he compliments him perfectly. And in postgame, um, Jake was asked by Russo about the, the fact that with the Sharks, keep in mind, Middleton had played with Burns at one point and Carlson too. And so his question was, how does – how how do Burns and Carlson differ from Jared? Because all three are really, really good. Yeah. And his answer was Jared plays a simpler game, so I can adjust. Mm-hmm. He's like Burns and Carlson, and I get this point. He said they've got a lot of, of uh potential leeway offensively to do a lot of things. I, yes. I think his point was you've got to you've got to cover their asses. Yep. Uh, Jared Spurgeon can score goals, can make plays, but I'm hard pressed to think of a lot of times that he's irresponsibly taken off, mm-hmm. like just taken off. He's, I mean, for, first of all, I think he's positionally sound beyond belief, but second of all, like I think of Burns, right? And Burns will join a, will join the play at a moment's notice. Jared will do it, but I feel like there's more of a, he creates more of a cushion or safety blanket. And and I don't I wouldn't call Jared Spurgeon a free wheeling defenseman. I for sure would call Burns that. Both Carlson and Burns are volatile defensemen. Like the, like their volatility is high because right? they're offensive first guys. And and when they're playing well, they are honestly one of the bigger treats to watch. The problem is the Sharks haven't been good in the last three years, to be completely honest. And and Middleton probably doesn't feel like he has to cover their asses as much, right? Like with with Carlson right. and Burns they're going to kind of leave Middleton sometimes out to dry. So he kind of has to feel like the safety blanket. I'm, I'm sure with Middleton with Spurgeon, and Correct. this is a credit to Spurgeon that he just, yeah, he plays a simpler game that he doesn't have to feel like he's covering up for anyone. Like Jared Spurgeon's a small guy, but he's able to play a bigger game. But when he mm-hmm. also has someone like Middleton who can then also kind of play that heavier, bigger, stronger game, it makes a world of a difference. I, I feel like uh, Burns, Burns for sure will make a play and his defensive partner has to be prepared to come back and help out or, or to be there. I feel yes. like Spurgeon will make a play, but rarely does it in such a way that, that he, he leaves his partner potentially out to dry. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Dumba, who is not Burns, but I think Dumba is much more likely to leave his partner out to dry, yeah. uh, where Spurgeon is just so sound. But those two, I give him credit, man. It works. It works. And, and yeah, um, if Flurry is is Bill Guerin's best trade, uh, Middleton is 1B right now. Like, mm-hmm. it looks yeah. really good. He really – and, you know, Dumba's out now. Merrill's out now. Ben has to play. Can you imagine where, where this team would be potentially if they didn't make that trade with, with the Sharks to get Jake? They could be in huge trouble right now. On that exact topic, too, because I know Ben had um, he had a rough game in St. Louis. I mean, he was honestly almost solely responsible for the, I believe, that tying goal, Shen, the and game winning goal. And Shen shouldn't um, tying goal, and yeah. Shen Shen should never shake and bake you. So, why do you think so? And we talked about this on the last Judd's Hockey Show. W- what is it with this regime and coaching staff? You think that doesn't want to give the keys to Kalen Addison? What is it? You think? <sighs> Well, here's my guess, and I'm gonna, but I'm gonna guess, and it's, and I'm not going to agree with what I say, okay? So I'm not okay. defending it because it is weird to me. I think that even though Ben has deficiencies, clearly, 
I think they feel more confident in his defensive responsibility than Kalen. That's the mm-hmm. only thing. But I mean, yeah, Shen Shen looked like, you know, take your pick, Neely. I mean, Shen looked like Shen looked really good there. That shouldn't happen. No. Um, so, what I just said, I don't agree with. Like, I would give Kalen a chance, but Dex, we've talked about this quite a bit now. It's clear they just don't really trust him. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't, we don't need to, I don't think, be guessing to say that. And it's it's similar in the vein of this time last year when we were getting close to the postseason. We said, why is Kyle Rao playing over Matthew Boldy, right? Like, Kyle Rao, why is that his thing? Yep. And, and yep. different circumstances. So I shouldn't say it's the exact same, but it it's either they don't trust him in these situations yet or his game hasn't developed along the path that they thought it'd be developing right now. Like, that's... That, yeah. That's what it is. I mean, you and I were thinking that he could potentially make the opening night roster, and hey, maybe he's also the placeholder if they move Dumba, and, and both that latter part could still be true if they do move on from Matt Dumba. Um, but it's it's kind of I, mind-boggling that Jordy Ben is still getting big minutes. I don't think he is, and, and the difference is this. The Boldy thing I didn't like, but Boldy at that point in time hadn't made his debut, and I think that these guys, and, th- and this I don't have a huge problem with in retrospect now, I think Garen and Everson like to slow bake guys, right? So like Boldy hadn't played yet. And I think their philosophy was, do we really want Boldy's debut to be in what's going to be a really rugged series, despite the fact that, that size-wise he looks like he'd fit against the Golden Knights. So I think that was a slow cook thing. Um, it, it's why I have no problem with, with Rossi still being in with, in, in uh, Des Moines at this point. Okay, so I get that one. Addison, keep, uh, keep in mind, because of injuries, played in like three or four of those games in the playoffs last year. So this is not a slow cooking thing. Like, he's been here. He's played a lot here. This is a trust thing. Yep. Uh, I just, I mean, I watched Ben play, and I watched him again t- tonight. Um, I just don't see what the upside is. Like, I'm sure he's a very stable guy in the room, and I know that he knows what he's doing positionally but man um he belongs in the press box and i think i would they they clearly are more comfortable if if ben burns them than if kalen does and i'm not sure i agree with that yeah philosophy but i I mean i dex i don't think like this is at this point in time a lot of reckless speculation do you i i think that they just don't trust him no they don't trust him at all and i mean and it is what it is at this point. Like, I, I don't really, unless there's another injury, like unless they lose Kulikov or they lost Ben, it's going to be out of necessity. I think he plays big time minutes at this point. And he played in the playoffs last year. You know, Addison did. He was able to get in. I, he was able to get in that playoff series. And I, After injuries. He, he, he wasn't played like three or four games. But they don't trust him yet to do it. Um, I guess on also the, the further side of the defense, because yeah, Flower and, and the Wild tonight, a power play goal, shorthanded goal, just one on even strength. It's actually kind of wild when you think about that. Three goals allowed, but only one of them yep. came. Yeah, um, on even strength, just just I think what's also so impressive about Flower is they go down three nothing because we have seen goaltenders once they get in their head and spiral out of control, it's it's a freight train and they won't stop it. This is where Marc Andre Fleury also pays dividends. Like having a guy like Flower, he lets them three goals, and you're thinking, oh, okay, so the shine's wearing off a little bit here, right? Like it's not the Marc Andre Fleury that we all thought he was. He's he's on that other side of the hill. No, no, no. Even though he allows three goals, you still have all that faith in the world that his game's going to rebound the other way. And he did. He literally didn't allow a single goal the rest of the way. Yeah. Two things about that. One is uh, Dean said, 
post game, if I'm putting the pieces of the puzzle together correctly, that he thought about pulling him just to sort of like get a fresh start. Mm. And it sounds like his assistant said, don't do it. Uh, Flower allowed that third goal and then proceeded to try to, he failed, break a stick on the crossbar. Now, I saw him do, do that at least once, if not twice, in games against the Wild while with Chicago this season. The difference is those Chicago teams stunk, so he'd give up three, three more goals. Uh, the difference here is his team flipped a switch, and it changed. But the impressive thing to me was in the resilience of the entire game tonight, which went from brutal to really good. Like, I still didn't think that the flower had a great night as far as it felt like at times he, he, he continued to fight the puck, but guess what? He stopped the shots. And the other thing that became instrumental was they started to block shots. So like, I mean, this is the, if there's a good thing to, uh, in my opinion, it's the veteran, it's the veteran leadership and approach here, which is your goaltender is not going to be great every night. That's cool can he still stop pucks? There's going to be rebounds. There's going to be problems at times, but the way that he came back and the way that the team rallied around him, because that third goal was awful. And if that's Capo, and this is no knock, but he's young. If that's Capo, that goal's a problem because now he's lost because now the confidence is gone. You know what? Flurry did. It's like, okay, he's pissed. He's mad. They didn't take him out. Very smart. And he came back and played really well. Again, I thought he was fighting pucks, but you're going to have that. Yeah. Uh, but but these but so three goals is bad. But like that's the type of goal. That's the type of thing, especially that th- third goal. Where if that's that is a goal, a single goal in a playoff game, you got to rebound, man. And he did. That's important. So yeah, I I understand and I get completely why Everson post game was a bit beat red. Um, but I also liked the fact that this team literally righted itself. It didn't take a coach screaming. It didn't take a guy in the locker room, you know, breaking a stick that this was a, we're playing terrible. And you know what? The Kings are a nice team. They're not great, but they're a playoff team. They're good. Yeah. And this team came back and regrouped really well. And when you score the next six goals, I'm telling you, man, this is one of the weirdest games I, I've seen as far as Zuccarello draws the penalty and the game just changes. Like it just morphed into a different game. It's like they started it again. You didn't have to pull your goalie. You didn't have to bench guys. You basically just said reset and they, they did. Back to your defensive uh, points though, Dex, too. Merrill, um, I believe that uh, Dean said post game. Merrill's going to go on the upcoming road trip, so he's not going to play. It sounds like he, he will not play Tuesday against the Oilers at the X, but then they go on a road trip after that, and it sounds like Merrill will at least travel. I don't know if he's going to play immediately, and Dumba won't. And Dumba, so I think that they thought when Dumba got hurt against the Predators that he was done. Uh, now I think they think he's not done, but he's not going to be back really soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Merrill coming back becomes instrumental, too, is Kulikov I like. I, I don't think he's great. I like him, though. Uh, but when you have to have, and this gets back to your uh, Kalen point again, when you have to have Golagoski and Ben, 
dude, that scares me. And and the Grunstrom goal, which was the second Kings goal tonight, go back and watch that. Golagaski basically, I, I think, is responsible for uh, the turn over the puck. And then Grunstrom dances out front and isn't met by anybody. Um, the Having to play Ben and Golagoski together um, is another one where I just, I don't get it. Like if you could have Ben with a reliable defenseman, I don't love that, but I sort of get that. Uh, but when, I mean, Goose is, look, Goose was, Goose played well. He's still a big time plus, but the reality is, I, I don't think it's fair at his age or with the amount that he's played logged ice time in 2021, 22. I don't think it's fair to expect him to be the stabilizer. Like that pairing, especially playoff wise, definitely would scare me. Sounds like the defense could use some chill boys is what I think they need. I think they need some bamboo fabric. I think they can need some that. performance brand. I think they I need that. a little bit of pair of chill boys. It's a Tell Minnesota based it. company. It's mm-hmm. the most comfortable underwear on the planet. I had the long johns on, which actually it warmed up. It warmed up a little bit by the time we were on the back nine, but I'll tell you what, I was still a little windy out there and it felt really good with those chill boys on. If you haven't experienced a pair of chill boys, Hit them up. They're a Minnesota-based company. Tell them Score North and Mackie and Judd sent you. They're the life-changing underwear. You won't know it until you try it. Performance brand, the bamboo fabric, the long underwear, showboys.com. Check them out. So basically what you're trying to tell me is pour us early, get online, (laughs) go to chillboys.com, and make a purchase that you will. See, that's the thing is Judd's Hockey Show, Score North, we're always trying to help you out. Mm -hmm. Like we're not trying to get – we're we're giving you sponsors where we endorse products that we use and love them. So, yeah. um, your thoughts on on Mark Andre Fleury's mask? Which, by the way, I oh, yeah. guess he talked about this. For those of you who are consuming us on YouTube, is Andy Moog? I, I couldn't see his mask well from the press box, but th- this is the mask that uh, former Bruins. He also played quite a while for the Oilers. I think he played for the Stars. Andy Mogwar. And Flower said that he was a fan of, of Mogs growing up. Your thoughts on him, on the new mask that Marc-Andre Fleur was sporting? Oh, I love it. I, I mean, I love when goaltenders just have a lot of extra swagger. And, I mean, you might make a case that Marc-Andre Fleury has the most. I mean, he's a he's a very flamboyant out there goaltender who isn't afraid to make flashy saves. So I, the mask, I'm all about it. And, you know, if they would have lost 3 nothing, 4 5 nothing, and more goals come, I wonder if that mask comes off just because of how weird and superstitious goalies are. But I thought it was awesome. But the new pads that came in, too, were really sweet. I thought both were. He didn't wear those, though. Really well. So so he, uh, he donned the new pads, I believe, once last week. Decided that they weren't broken in enough. Has gone back to his Blackhawk pads. And said that he will go back to, to his pads after a couple more practices. So, and my guess is that Cam Talbot's going to play against the Oilers on Tuesday. So the first game of the trip, we might see his his green pads. But he's gone back to, to his, his previous pads. But the mask, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, made its debut. So I love masks. And yeah, flurry style. Uh, it's just, it's so old school. It's so great. Butterflying it out there. Oh, yeah. Making saves non-traditionally. Diving at times. He does things that the goal, that the goalies from my youth did. These guys now are so technically sound. Uh, Kaprizov, 42nd goal. Ties the stall and Gabbert marks. Almost had 43 a couple of times. Hartman won a faceoff uh, 
for a one-timer that Kaprizov, I think he didn't get it on goal. Uh, and then Kaprizov had, I think, a third-period chance, too. Uh, 11 games left, though, Declan Goff. 11 games left, 42 goals. Will he reach 50? I think he does. Got I think good. he does the way he's playing to be so sweet. Yeah, I mean, the fact that we've just been deprived of superstar players like this, um, it, it's it's so great watching him just get up and down the ice and then get these big-time goals. And, and look, I, I don't think it's a coincidence. And we said this off the offset of the show. He gets that goal, and everything works from there. Like, I'm not trying to personify that if, let's say, um, Felino gets the first goal, and I know Felino did score tonight. Yep, nice tipping from Ben. I don't know if the rally starts. When you have a superstar player that just, it, it's kind of, it's an unquantifiable thing. Well, here's where I agree completely with you. Zuccarello drew the penalty, and that first line tonight was a first line. So I, I agree. I think that that first line started the fire. Um, but you know what, Dex? Where, where what you said makes sense is this. Star players are star players for a reason. You need to work your ass off. Like, there's no question about that. And the Wild has a lot of guys that now are willing to pay a price, and that's great. Necessary. So, like, because if you just say, well, we've got talent, you're screwed. You're going to lose. That being said, conversely, you also need star players. And that's where Kaprizov fits in. If Kirill Kaprizov just said, I'm going to do it all by myself, the Wild wouldn't win. But when you combine the the work of the Ekline when you combine what what the Goudreau line brings, we, you know, with which with Fiala when he's going well is really good talent. But Kaprizov, you're right; he can change things in a second, and then you're worried. Like if you're the Kings, you're like, oh crap! And the Kings would literally look like you could see their their tone or tenor, if that's the right word, after that goal changed completely. Like they went from being we are going to have our, our way to oh bleep. Yeah. Um, so I'm with you, but that first line drew the penalty. Uh, th- that was power play one that scored the goal, but nonetheless, the ability to set a tone when you're down by three to say this ends now is incredibly important. And as hard as Greenway, Eck, and and Felino can work at times, like that can't get you everything. Mm-hmm. But the combination of star talent does. The faceoffs tonight, by the way, the Wild. Uh, in the face-off circle, 31 and 24. Take that every time. Uh, face-offs won by Eck, 8 of 10. Big. Uh, Bukestead, who played a really nice game. Yeah, he did. I noticed him tonight. Won three and lost one. Uh, Jared, uh, Jared Spurgeon, excuse me. Hartman, eight face-off wins tonight, one loss. Yeah. Include including one on was it the was it back to Ben that that ended up with. The Felino tip goal. The point being is, for a team that has, for the most part, throughout the course of this season, for sure, struggled in the dot, tonight was impressive. So, that's really good. Just a quick housekeeping thing before we wrap up, because um, a lot of stuff going on right now at Score North. We also, uh, and in Minnesota sports scene, the Timberwolves had their playing game against the Clippers on Tuesday night, 8.30-ish tip-off, I believe, from the Target Center. Yeah, we will have a Wolves vent line episode right here on this YouTube channel. I know this is Judd's hockey show, and I know the majority of this audience watching oh, right now are hockey fans, but we're also Minnesota sports fans. Hold right? on a second. Hold on. And I know Judd Zolged will be waving the flag 
and cracking his surly beverages when the Wolves finally get over that plane. I'm not scared of Paul George. Is Paul George a great player? Of course he is. But I they really, truly think that uh, this is going to be a fun, fun series. So we'll have a Wolves bent line. And also, by the way, we're getting closer to the Wild uh, playoff series as well. We get down to that magic number here soon enough. Um, and we will do Wild bent line. We bring Wild fans onto this show as well. Who's sponsoring that, Declan? Our friends at Surly Brewing. Hold on. Another Each yeah. time you say Surly Brewing, I have to drink. Surly Brewing. Surly Brewing. Surly Stop. Brewing. Okay, yeah, no. Uh, Let uh, me tell you something, well, man. <laughs> this Nick Bukestead. Uh, yes, whether it's, what are you? Jordy Ben. Oh, my God. Uh, drips and Drops, of Furious. Said. The Tap Room's phenomenal, too. Check them out. Also, we'll have a live... Uh, we, we can talk about Surly for literally 45 minutes, uh, 40, 45 more minutes on this show. Uh, but we'll have a live draft party on the first round of the NFL draft. Come out. It's free. We'll have a live mic. That's We're excited to break that down with you at Surly Brewing. Thursday, tickets. April 28th. What do tickets cost again, Judd Salgan? Zero. Zed. And nothing. Finally, what is going to be on tap, uh, as well as the great products that Surly Brewing has to offer? What's going to be on tap for us? A special one-night-only beer just for Mackie, Judd, and Declan called Before I Die. Why? Because what is the motto of Purple Daily? We all want to see the Vikings win a bleeping Super Bowl championship before we die. So Surly said, well, that's a great thing to say, but why don't we back it up with an ale that you guys are going to absolutely love. For one night only, you can come out and drink Before I Die with us as we as we broadcast. And here's the best part. We're going to have an open mic and camera. We want you to participate because this, this going on with franchises are not about talking at you. They're about talking with you. And so it's going to be great fun. Doors open at three. We start at six on draft night, April 28th. Do join. Mm-hmm. That's hockey show. Thank you for watching. Hit the subscribe button on this YouTube channel Play for it. daily Minnesota sports entertainment. And we do one thing after wins. Listen. You guys know what this is all about, right? Right? What's it all about? Virgie? Hard work and having fun. F- that. This is about f- winning.